When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It was literally in 2020. My aunt passed. She's one of the reoccurring characters in the books. She, she passed and I'm listening to Les Brown and he's talking about, you can go, I'm trying not to cry. You can go to your grave with your dreams. And it was a lot of things that I had wanted to do that I hadn't done. And I was like, I can't afford to go to my grave with my dreams because somebody else may not have seen the chocolate butterfly, have not seen the little caterpillar, and they needed to see it. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I did not ask her how to say her name beforehand, so hopefully I don't mess it up. Andrea Williams is in the building with me today. How are you, ma'am? I am fine, and I'm Andrea the Chocolate Butterfly Williams. (laughs) Chocolate Butterfly. People are going to ask all kinds of questions here. I was trying to get to that, and she's just going to make you guys get it in the beginning. So for those of you who are new to the podcast, because we're getting a bunch of new listeners, I am Jerome Ayers. I am the preeminent authority on dream realization. What that means is I help people become the person they need to be so they'll take the action they need to take or do the actions they need to do in order to have the things that they want to have. And my good buddy, Adam Shibley, connected me and Miss Williams. And she's got this amazing journey that she's been on that we're going to unpack for you guys to help you get some inspiration, education, and direction. So, Miss Chocolate Butterfly, (laughs) let's start there. Where did that come from? So, ironically, when I first heard someone call me the Chocolate Butterfly, I didn't like it. Honestly, I thought it was an insult. Although I had been talking about BU Butterfly for a while, one of my good friends started calling me the Chocolate Butterfly. She was a lighter skinned woman. And I was like, why is she calling me the Chocolate Butterfly? And God like rebuked me in that moment and was like, you are, that's all you talk about. You talk about being proud of being an African-American woman and being proud of all of the colorful things that you do. And I had to embrace it. And once I embraced it, it changed my life. So what does embracing that mean? Because, you know, we've got the red pill model and what you just described is a change in your self-image. So how did how, how did you embrace it or what does that actually mean to embrace it? I embraced who I am. A lot of times in my life, I was told I was too much. I need to tone down. I need to not be so culturally focused and so on and so on and so on. I am a full-figured woman. So a lot of people told me, you know, me having the size body that I was was too much. My personality was too much, everything. And I realized it wasn't that I was too much. They just weren't ready for me. They weren't, they didn't have the capacity to accept who I was. And until I, and because I kept internalizing that, 
I wasn't accepting myself. So once I said to the world that I am the chocolate butterfly, it was my way of saying, I am proud to be an African-American woman with my full figure, beautiful self and my full fig, my full plethora of things that I enjoy doing. So what is too much mean? Because people could take that a bunch of different ways. What, what is that? <laughs> so I'm one of those extrovert, introvert people. So when I'm around, I draw people in. So I have this, uh, this huge smile. I have a very volume, my voice, I sing. So my voice and my vibrato is very strong. And so when I was singing, like if I was singing in a, cor- a choir and my voice could carry the, the section, I was an alto leader. So it'll carry the section, but someone may feel like I'm trying to outdo everybody. I'm not trying to outdo everybody. It's just the voice that God gave me. And that's just kind of how my personality is. It's just a personality that God gave me and allowed me to develop in. And I'm not trying, you know, some people think that I am fake because I like to be happy. I smile probably 90% of the time. I'm smiling. So even when I'm sad, I could be crying and still smiling. But people think, you know, some people think that was fake or I can laugh at just about anything, including myself. And I feel like if someone can't laugh at themselves, there's something wrong with them. So back to what you were saying, I feel like they felt like I was too much because they didn't understand who I was. And because they, me, were the people pleaser, I would try, I would start internalizing that. And because I wasn't accepting who I was, I wasn't presenting it. So nobody could understand. So I was too much for them. So they were overwhelmed by the fullness of your expression. Right. And I I think that's really interesting because a lot of us are taught to dim our light. A lot of us are taught to shrink so that people don't pay attention to us. And Mm -hmm. you're okay with that. (laughs) That's my speech. I'm okay. That was my mantra. I wanted everybody to really believe when they asked me, are you okay? You know, they say, you okay, right? And I'll say, yeah, I'm okay. My, me, meanwhile, I was literally walking around behind a mask of pretending to be okay. And so what happened that made you say, hey, I'm not okay? Around 2020, when everybody was putting on their mask, I decided to take mine off. I heard my favorite motivational speaker, Mr. Les Brown, say that the graveyard was the richest place on earth. (laughs) And it was because it was there where you would find the dreams and the hopes and the dreams of those who were too afraid to uh, pursue them or to just admit they weren't okay. And we weren't okay in March 2020. We didn't know what the world was, was going to behold. I had for so long kept that mask on that I was okay with, you know, you didn't treat me right. I was okay. If, you know, if, if things didn't go right, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm hurting. I'm okay. I never, I would always say I'm okay. And I'm, or, you know, I'm okay. Or you would, you know, you may have said, I'm fine. You know, somebody said, how you doing today? I'm fine. It's just an automatic response because, you know, nobody really wanted to hear what was, what you were going through or what you were not okay with. And so I, that day, I ch- it changed my life because it reminded me of a day where I was sitting in Albany, New York airport, and I have an airborne nut allergy. And I was being detained by three sheriffs and two drug-sniffing dogs. And they kept saying, you're okay, right? I was not okay. I was mortified, embarrassed, and afraid of what they would say and what they would do. And that fear is what kept me saying, I'm okay. So that's a terrifying scene. You're still here, <laughs> so I, I guess that worked out. <laughs> But it did. <laughs> how did you actually feel in this situation and why were you uncomfortable speaking up for yourself? Because I think self-advocacy is the thing that's going to be a recurring theme in our conversation today. It will be. I had been put in positions where I was forced to either speak up or not, such as that situation. I was escorted off the plane because I asked them not to eat nuts for 90 minutes of their life. And I was told I was a disruptive, I was accused of being a disruptive passenger, escorted off the plane, sat there detained by three sheriffs and two dogs, and everybody pointing at me. I'm an African, imagine, I'm an African-American woman sitting in an Albany, New York airport. The assumption is guilty. And 
I never want to be guilty. I never wanted anyone to, I, I really didn't want people to see me because I knew if people saw me, they would judge me. And I didn't like being judged. I didn't like not pleasing people. I didn't like not being the good girl. And so I was taught to be a good caterpillar, good little caterpillar. And good little caterpillars played the background. Um, good little caterpillars went along to get along. And eventually I just couldn't do it anymore. I could no longer sit there quietly and watch others fulfill their dreams and help them fulfill their dreams. And then they tell me mine wasn't valuable or mine wasn't to be done. It wasn't time for me yet. I've heard, you know, I heard all those things, or maybe you should choose something more sensible. Um, Even as, even in the journey of becoming the chocolate butterfly, I was told I couldn't be the chocolate butterfly. Uh, (laughs) I I was told I couldn't, I couldn't sell dreams. You know, people have a tendency to, because they're not comfortable with something to tell you what they're not comfortable with and try to make you not be comfortable with it too. Hmm. So where did you find your voice? Right? Because at some point, somebody took your voice because you have it because that's what babies do, right? They're using their voice. Right. And then somebody took it and then you got it back. But when? Where, where did that happen? Because it wasn't in the airport. No, it wasn't in the airport. It was literally in 2020. My aunt passed. She's one of the reoccurring characters in the books. She, she passed. And I'm listening to Les Brown. And he's talking about, you can go, I'm trying not to cry. You can go to your grave with your dreams. And it was a lot of things that I had wanted to do that I hadn't done. And I was like, I can't afford to go to my grave with my dreams because somebody else may not have seen the chocolate butterfly, have not seen the little caterpillar, and they needed to see it. And it was at that point, I was actually in the midst of running for Miss American Ambassador. I'm in pageantry. And um, we get taught to kind of assimilate and resemble the organization that you're in. And I just got tired of doing that. I just literally got tired of trying to make everybody else believe I was okay. I got tired of trying to make everybody else okay while I sat there not being okay and nobody caring or nobody noticing because I'm the strong person that everybody is so used to just being okay. So I just, one day I just, I got totally fed up. You know, I'm, I was sitting at work, my aunt had passed. They wanted me to come back to work. <laughs> you know, it's just, it was a lot going on at that time. And I was just like, I can no longer sit here being quiet. I have to do things my way now. I have to make me happy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on the verge of turning 50 and have I really lived my life or have I lived my life for others? And so the same people I helped, the same people I applauded and supported when I raised my hand, they would tell me, oh, that's just a little too much that they, you know, that's just too much. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just supported you through craziness. You may, and and then you tell me I'm too much. I'm doing too much. I can't do this. And so it just put a fight in me that's always been there, but I would quiet down just to make it, you know, just to keep everything afloat. I would, you know, quiet it down. And so at that point, I just, you know, I'm sitting in my house. It was just my mom and I, and I said, no, no more. So I think a lot of folks end up in the support role. And then when it's time for them to get supported, they don't get the same support that they gave. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being super deflating. It, it almost feels like a slap in the face. Is that how you felt? Oh, I definitely felt that. I felt all that pain. Uh, you, 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 you think you're, and I've been seeing it lately on social media where a lot of people have been expressing, you know, I thought this person was you know, in my corner, or I thought this person was my friend or my, my close family member, even my spouse. (laughs) And then when you don't do something that they agree with, you find out that they were just there to kind of be a leech. They were using you. So a lot of times people put you on the shelf and I call it the shelf syndrome where you put on this shelf and they'll tell you, don't, don't, don't do that right now. You can do that a little later. And then 
so that when they need you, they can just go back on the shelf and pick you back up. So I just took myself off the shelf. I was no longer going to be available for you if you weren't going to be available to me. I, I believe in reciprocity. And if I realized that people weren't going to give me that same energy, and it's not that I don't love you enough to give you what you can't give me or show you what I, how I need you to love me, but I will not accept tolerance. I will only accept acceptance. I will not accept the time. You can't, I don't want to be tolerated. And I, you know, I found that people were just tolerating me because it benefited them. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I almost went on the rant. I, I, I'll stop. I will not go on the rant. But what I, I will say is I, I think there's three types of relationships. There are the relationships that will never be mutually beneficial. People just come to you, get stuff, right? That's what you're describing. Then there, there are the ones that are not mutually beneficial right now, but can be reframed as mutually beneficial. And it's because you have the courage, the voice to ask right. for people to reinvest in you, similar to the way you've invested in them. That is a scary place because they can always say no. Mm-hmm. And then you understand the reality of the situation that you were in. And then you begin to feel used. And so most people avoid that. So they can just romanticize what the relationship actually was. Mm-hmm. And then there is the relationships that are mutually beneficial. And most people who are fixers, most people who are support role, uh, they don't have that because they've been taught that all they need to do is give, 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 because if I give, 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 then other people will appreciate. They will want me. They will accept me. But you find out that you're just tolerated anytime you're outside of the role of being in support of a taker. So I think it's a really important lesson that you share with us here because most folks are scared to go into that space of, I'm only going to be in mutually beneficial relationships because when they actually take an assessment, they probably don't have five of them in their life right now. Right. It's actually draining. And that's what I was depleted. I had nothing left. I had no choice. I was at rock bottom. You know, I was just at rock bottom. I, I didn't have any, I didn't, I didn't have a choice at that point. I was like, okay, it's either I fly, I either become the butterfly or I stay the caterpillar and I keep crawling around. So one thing that pa- being in pageantry for so long has taught me is the power of the ask, like you were just talking most people that are in pageants are successful in pageantry. They have to ask. You have to ask for sponsorship. You have to ask for assistance. You have to ask and answer and be there to help and serve. And so being in a church, being a church girl, I'm a church girl from heart. I was taught to serve and you serve and you serve and you serve and you serve. And that's what you do because that's the greatest person is the servant. And but, you know, then people forget the other part of this, the Bible where it says, but the servant will get a double reward. So we live like a pauper because we're trying to be a servant and we don't get refueled, but we don't get the fullness of what God has for us. And that's that's what I had. I had to just come to terms that I was not living what God told me to do. He told me to serve, but he did not tell me to serve without receiving as well. So it's a weird place to be in when you realize that you have given like most of your life, you've given away to other people who didn't even appreciate it, who didn't even ask me about when they asked me if I was okay, they really didn't want to know I wasn't okay. They just wanted me to be okay with whatever I was, you know, if you gave me food on a garbage can, a dirty garbage can, I should be okay with it and eat it. You know, that's the kind of a lot of people want you to just be okay with what they give you. And I think as women, we do that. You know, they talk about the disparity and how we get paid because we don't ask. We accept. And so that 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 thing right there, that is like the most that's what I finally got in my head that if I don't ask, I won't get and so that's part of that's part of the word too. If you ask, it'll be given unto you. But if you don't ask, it's like a man that don't work. 
you don't eat. And that's what I had to just finally say, okay, I surrender. It was my fault. It was all, it was my fault. I accepted it. I accepted it. I accepted that I had a choice and then I made a different one. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's negotiable in this world. We can negotiate the life that we want to live. We can negotiate the legacy that we leave. We can negotiate how much money we want to make. All of those things. We, we negotiate how people interact and engage with us. We negotiate how people, what they come to us for support on. All of those things are choices for us. We may not be in control of the situation, but all of them are choices for us. And so you are living that. And so you've mentioned pageantry a few times. You've mentioned a book a couple of times. So tell me, like, how did you earn your living and how are you earning your living? Because you were convicted. You you said, I wasn't living the life that God told me to live. And I think you made a pivot. I did. I made a pivot. I am still in the corporate world. I'm not. I'm a a dual, (laughs) dual entrepreneur. I work as a financial business risk auditor, but I was not getting paid what I was supposed to be getting paid because I was accepting whatever they offered. I didn't even realize that it was people getting paid double of what I was getting paid. So now I'm, I'm asking for what I'm worth. The other part of my life is books. I love writing. I've been writing since I was a young girl. And so now I am also doing the children's books and programs. Uh, My eventual goal there is to get this thought process. It's a community career uh, program that I'm trying to implement into the schools where the the community supports the schools by showing the the people and, you know, the children, there's more to life, right? There's more to just, like you said, on one of your podcasts where you were telling your story, it's more to me going to school getting a job, working for 20 years, getting a watch and, you know, living out the rest of my life in a retirement home. It's more to life than that. And so at this point I am doing both. So I have the luxury of having, I call it the private investor. A lot of people say, I'm just going to quit my job and with no plan, or maybe they have a plan and it doesn't work out or whatever. I want to make sure that I'm doing I'm doing both. So I'm doing both. I'm working my plan so that I can exit corporate corp, the corporate community correctly. But right now I'm putting things in place because I want to make sure these books are what they need to be. The programs are set up the way they need to be so that I can work them well. So that is what I'm doing now in my career. Wow. Okay. So let's talk more about the books and the children's programs, because I think that's where you're truly passionate. And I think that's where you're going to have the biggest impact on the world. Yeah. So the children's books are called the BU Butterfly Children's Book Series, and they're based off of the little caterpillar. Her name is Lily Caterpillar, and she transforms into the chocolate butterfly. And she has this dream that she can fly, but she keeps getting told because she's a caterpillar, she will never be able to fly. And so the books are about the the chocolate butterfly and all of her friends that all go through their different scenarios of being able to 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 get to the point where they can fly in there. And the flying represents their dreams, what they dreamed of doing, what they dreamed of being, what they what what the possibilities are. And if you think of somebody who flies, it's limitless. There is it's unlimited. If you can fly, a bird can fly anywhere they want to go. They can make their home anywhere they want it to be. They can perch on top of your house. They can go to a tree. They can come on the ground. They can go wherever they want to be. But as long as we're on, we're stuck with our legs on the ground and we're crawling around as caterpillars, we have to protect ourselves. We have to move slowly because we can only move so fast because we're a caterpillar. We can only do certain things because we're a caterpillar. And so it talk, that's what the books that in each book, in each story, each character is just facing their fears and facing their, you know, the false evidence appearing real of what they what their life can be limited as. So is the cocooning process a part of the book? Because there's this transformation that has to happen between being a caterpillar and a butterfly. 
And I'm totally <laughs> curious about that piece. <laughs> so it is actually, you know, when you asked me about, you know, what was the turning point for me? I had to go in my cocoon for a year. For 2020, I was in a cocoon. I had to prepare, get myself, get my mind, get my mind wrapped around strengthening my wings. There's no way the the story of the caterpillar is so interesting to me. So uh, the caterpillar morphs into a butterfly, but as the caterpillar is morphing into a butterfly, it goes in a cocoon and it has to do its work. It has to do the work by itself in this little bubble and change their mindset, release the, the limiting legs, you know, developing the, the wings. They have to strengthen their wings. And if they come out too soon, so, you know, you see a lot of people launch their business, right? And it doesn't go anywhere or they, they try to do something and it, they, they're not successful. That's because they may have done it too soon before their wings were able to develop and get strength to carry them where they needed to go. So that is the story of the, the, the caterpillar morphing into the butterfly. And that is a part of the story. And literally, Auntie Butterfly, which represents my aunt, as I mentioned a little earlier, she tells her, before you go in this cocoon, I need you to understand that it's a process, that you have to do this. You have to stay in there as long as it takes. And your, your, your length of time and someone else's length of time it may look differently. We have to stop this thing where we look to our left and our right or behind us or in front of us to see what they're doing in our process of morphing into our butterfly. For you to morph into your butterfly, to you to get your wings to be strong, you have to go through your process. You have to take your time and develop and get stronger. And when you are fully ready, you can crack that cocoon and you can come out and emerge a new person. And that's the part of the Bible as well. Renew your mind, transform. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. So a lot of people are scared to come out of the cocoon once they go in it because they've been isolated. How does one know that their transformation is complete and they can come out and dry their wings? That is the interesting part. So you, a lot of times we listen to those, it's something one of my Toastmasters friends, they were talking about, if there's two line, there's two animals inside of you, there's a good animal and the bad animal. And if the one we feed is the one who gets stronger. So sometimes we're feeding the one who says we can't do it. We're not going to do it. We're not strong enough, blah, 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 blah. And so when we come out, we think we're complete, right? We think we're complete, but we fed the wrong animal. So if you want to know that you're complete, you're going to feed the animal that you want to be complete in. And that is what we, that's what needs to be done. And so when you see a butterfly, they have fed their, they're fed the strength in them. They, you, when you're able to look in the mirror and say, I know I have that blemish right there, that, that right there, that's a blemish for me, but I know that that's a part of me and I'm okay with it. When you get to that point where you're like, I, I know that sometimes I stumble over my words, but let me figure out a way to, what, what can I use to not cover it up, but to use that for my advantage. When you start thinking like that, when you start using the things that everybody else told you was bad things about you, like people told me my being full figured is not good. But me, you know how I won being a pageant queen? I was in a, my first pageant, I was in a full figure pageant. You have to understand that what you have, something in what you have that everybody else has said is something wrong with is powerful. And once you do that, once you say, I'm powerful, I can do this you'll learn that you can fly. And that's kind of what I did in my process. I stopped taking everything that everybody else was saying. You know, like I said, they said I couldn't be the chocolate butterfly. 
I couldn't sell dreams. These children books, put that to the side and do another, do an entrepreneurship book. You've been in, you, you know, business, you can do that and stay and make money. <laughs> that was what was being told to me. And I was like, okay, well, that's not it. So every, so everything that doesn't resemble what you have for yourself focused on, if you say my wings, for instance, this picture you see behind my face, when I was developing what I wanted her to look like, I didn't accept anything but her. And you have to learn to not accept anything but you. Whoever you want to be, if it doesn't align, if something doesn't align in your spirit, you have three things. My three things are family, God, and dreams. If it doesn't meet those three options, I don't do it. And that's what you have to do in your cocoon stage. You have to decide what are my three goals? What are the things that are most important to me? If they don't align to those three things, they're not feeding you. They're not feeding the good animal. And so you're not going to feed the good animal. You're not going to be the come. You're, so you're going to come out and you're going to be weak and you're not going to be able to fly. So that's the thing. You have to support and feed the, what you really, really want to do. And that's how you'll know that you'll be you butterfly. So the natural place people will go is, well, I don't know what I want to do. So will I be stuck a caterpillar until I know what I want to do? You could be. The honest to God truth, I hate to say it. You know, sometimes we don't like to tell people the ugly. <laughs> uh, we only like to tell them the good. But if you can't, if you don't sit there and focus on what you want, you can't get it. If you don't know what you want, I can't give you what you want. It's like relationships, right? People get in these relationships and they say, I want this person I'm going to use me. I want to be tall, dark, and handsome. And your person may be light-skinned, short, and, you know, a little challenged facially. <laughs> or as they say in the Bible, soft on the eyes. You know, it, it, may, it may be that. But you have to decide what is it that you really want. Because what happens is we get in these relationships, we get in these jobs, we get in these businesses. And I've known some people, um, Michelle Obama's reading her book, Becoming, and she had became a, an attorney. And one day she woke up and said, I don't want to do this. And her mother thought she was crazy. And it wasn't that she wasn't good at it, but it wasn't what she wanted to do. So sometimes we have to, we have to sit down and just take a moment. And it doesn't, it doesn't take long. And, you know, people say, I don't have time for that. Yes, you do. You, you just don't take the time. And all you have to do is say, what is it that I really like? So if you go back to your age of six, seven, and eight, and that's why I went back to the children's books, because I tried to get this message to adults and they just couldn't accept it. They couldn't receive it. They just, you know, we have our experiences and our challenges. And a lot of them just, you know, that's not going to work for me. But if you go back to the age of six, seven, and eight, you had someone say, what did you want to be when you grew up? So I'm going to ask you, Jerome, what did you want to be when you grew up? When a you were trash a, man. a trash man. Now, you wanted to be a trash man. Why did you want to be a trash man? Because he was outside all day and he was home when the kids got home from school and they got to play outside with their dad. And what are you doing now, Jerome? <laughs> in some regards, I'm a trash man. But in, in a lot of ways, I, I mean, formerly I'm a coach and I invest in real estate. But you I, got the same feeling that you thought that the trash man had. You can go, you, you can be outside when you want to be with real estate or coaching. You can, you can, you know, you can be home with kids when you want to be. So it was, it wasn't the trash, you know, we think it's the the position. It's really not the the what we want to be. What do you want to feel? What do you want to have? What do you want to enjoy? That's the question we should be asking kids. But instead, we say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so we put them in a box. We immediately put them in this box. And it's not the box that they need to be. It's not, it's not the position that they really want. It's what, they, what the position represents. So that's, what I, that's kind of one of the things that I love just bringing to people's point that it's not, it's not what you want it to be. You, you think it's what you want to be as far as a position. But it's really what did you want to feel? What do you want to enjoy? What do you want to accomplish? Those are the things we need to ask our children. 
and asking our children that, or even asking ourselves that will help you determine what you really want. And if what you're doing right now doesn't fulfill that, then you're not ready to be you butterfly. Very, very interesting concept because I think a lot of people feel like you have to be able to name it in order to claim it or achieve it. And what you're saying is it isn't the actual name of the thing, but the things that are wrapped up in it. For instance, I know a lot of people who want to be married, but I don't think they actually want just the title. They want all the things that the title represents. They come with it. Mm -hmm. They want the support. They want to feel like they belong. They want, you know, it's, it's a lot. They want somebody they can talk to. They want somebody they can build with, somebody they can build a family with. And that may not come in marriage. It may come in you adopting a child. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it's just a way we think differently when we look at our perspective is different. Yeah. And it's actually one of the pillars of our program when I'm working with people one-on-one. The mechanism isn't as important as the outcome, right? You having this job title, you having this specific amount of income, like those things don't matter. You getting to the outcome of creating the experience or having the choice to do the thing is truly what you're pursuing. And I think people get caught up in the the people, the title and the things and not actually in the experience. So th this is a this is really thoughtful line of contemplation for me. I, I just... I'm sitting here trying to reconcile it. And so you're saying that you tried to share this with adults. I did. And kids were more receptive to this message than adults. Tell me more about that. So I've worked with, um, I've been a mentor for many years. I'm working with children and working with adults. When I've done pageant coaching with children, they're like sponges. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? How do I need to think? What do I need to say? What do, where, where, where do I sit? Where do I stand? How do I walk? How do I, you know, when, when we're kids, we learn. We want to learn. We want to know. We want to know why things work. When we're adults, we bring all of our experiences, all our so-called knowledge, all of our stinking thinking. <laughs> we bring all of that with us. So when someone's trying to present to us something different, we can't change. Some people, I'm not going to say everyone, but a lot of people can't receive it. So when I was bringing this message to adults, first of all, I'm telling them, they're like, what do you sell? dreams. No, you need to choose something more substantial. What do you sell? Dreams. Well, that, I don't, I don't get it. You can't sell dreams. People are not going to receive that. And I said, you know why they're not going to receive that? It's because we told them not to receive that. If we start telling people to receive their dreams, and if you notice over the last month of Black History Month, every major corporation used the fact that they were going to sell you your dreams. And I sat there and looked at the, TV, that, the television like, are you kidding me? Like, it was just so blaring in my face. Every commercial said, I'm going to sell you a dream car. I'm going to help you get your dream house. I'm going to help you get your dream job. I'm going to help you get that dream man, that dream woman. I'm going to help you get your dreams. They didn't ask you what your dreams were. They told you your dream is my car, my the house that I'm selling. Or whatever, but we sell people dreams every day. But I was told I could not. So sometimes we tell people what we're not. What we're not. so when you bring it to an adult that I'm going to sell your dreams, they're like, you can't sell me my dreams. It's not the dreams that I'm really selling you. It's I'm selling you the the ability to dream, your ability to look within and say, what is it I really really want which is all life coaches do, right? We go into their heads and we say, this is what you want to do. Let me show you. Let, let's figure out a get, way to get there. And so I just blatantly say, I'm selling your dreams because that's all it is. It all starts with a dream. Even though we say dreams, you know, a lot of people say a dreamer is this lawless person. But then we have Disney that says, your dreams will come true. So it's, which one is it? We start kids off dreaming, and then at some point we tell them to stop dreaming and just work. 
But the people that kept dreaming, they become like the Disney Corporation and they flourish. They become like you, Jerome, and they flourish because now they have a dream that I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever this is, whatever it is. And then they do it. But the point that we stop dreaming, that's the point that we start working. Let your work be your prayer. So, yeah, I there's so much I could say on the backside of that, but you said it well, so I'm going to let it be. <laughs> the next place I want to go, because I, I think the person that's listening to the podcast right now is like, she's right. Somebody told me to stop dreaming. They told me to be practical. They told me that I needed to provide for my family. And my family is the reason why I can't do the thing that I dreamed of because I don't see a direct line of revenue. And we can't go back in lifestyle because I'll be a failure. And, you know, if we don't have the two luxury cars and the two-story house, then, you know, I went to all that schooling for nothing. Where do you get the courage from to actually believe that your dreams could be real? I just had the audacity to start believing in myself, believing in my own dreams. I literally, I had to go against everybody. I've been, you know, I've always been different. I just had to be okay being different. I've always been different. I've never fit in. And I said, what is the reason why I've never fit in? Because I wasn't, I wasn't created to fit in. I just was not. And once you realize that you weren't that person like I said, I was living life behind a mask of I'm okay. And I was like, oh, wow. It was just like an epiphany one day. Like I said, I was at rock bottom. I didn't have anybody who really understood what I was saying. Even my family was like, um, my daughters are 29 and 27 now. And they were looking at me like, mom, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> you know, you've always been the accountant. What are you talking about? I'm a concrete person to them. So me saying, I'm going to be, you know, I'm just going to show everybody all sides of me. They're like, mom, are you sure you want to do that? You know, so sometimes you just have to, I had to, I'm not going to say you have to, but I had to, and this may help somebody else that's listening. You have to take an introspective look at, are you really able to be yourself? And I always say something, um, I just taught a Sunday school lesson recently where God was telling Abraham to go It's part of the Abrahamic blessing. And he was telling him to go to the place that he sent him. And he didn't tell him where the place was, but that's where you were going to make your home. And when you get there, you're going to worship. So if you can't go somewhere and fully worship, you can't go somewhere and fully be yourself and show people who you are, then you're not home and you're not doing what you're doing, what you're supposed to do. And that's where it came from. It was like, am I I got to get where I can worship, where I could truly just engross myself and be who I am and be happy with that. I wasn't happy. I was smiling, but I wasn't happy. So when people were saying, you seem like you're fake, they were right. I was being fake. I was just smiling. It was just natural for me to smile. I'm a pageant queen. So we smile, you know, you just not. And so I, you know, it's just, I wasn't, I was smiling you know, they say you can laugh and not have joy. That's that part. I, I was laughing, but I wasn't joyful. So I had to like, really, I had to just say, I don't care anymore. And the courage came from me not caring. The courage literally came from me looking in the mirror and saying, I don't like you right now. I need to like you. And I was like, I need to like myself. And the courage came was, I, it was, it was self-love. It was self-preservation. I needed to love myself. So the courage literally, when they say the greatest love of all is within, that is where it comes from. It comes from within you. And if you can't look in the mirror right now, the person that's listening to this podcast, you can't look in the mirror right now and say, I'm happy. I'm really okay with being who I am. Then I need you to stop. Because those other people that you're doing all that for, even your family, it's not selfish. It's called self-care. It's not selfish. We taught people that that's being selfish, but it's really self-care. And the moment I started caring for myself, that's when my, I built my courage up. That's when I built my wings. That's when I be you, Butterfly. That's where it came from.
So, what gift are you giving the world? The gift I'm giving the world is just to tell you it's okay for you to be selfish. It's okay for you to decide today that you're going to stop living behind that mask of being okay for everyone else and not being okay for yourself. The gift I give to you is like the the little caterpillar who wanted to be the be the butterfly, and she became the chocolate butterfly. I became the chocolate butterfly. I give you the gift to dream. Pursue your dreams. Don't take your dreams to the grave, like Mr. Les Brown said. Don't make that the don't make that place richer than it already is. It's rich enough. Let's invest on this side of life. What dream are you most focused on catching next? The dream I'm, it, it, it's to to get these get this process further. I am looking to connect with corporations that will like to partner with the schools, with the children, and be able to get the get the people who are actually doing their dreams now. Uh, people like yourself, people like Home Depot, General Motors. They have all these people that are in the office that are doing something that they really love. And to be able to share that with the young people and show them there's so much out there. I know somebody right now that's a scientist at Regeneron, and he looks like you and I. And when I was a kid, I didn't see anybody like that. I didn't know that even existed. And so, so many times we don't, our kids don't see they have opportunities because they don't, we don't present it to them. So that is my dream now is to present the opportunities so that they can fly and have a limited life. Wow. So how how does that work with the partnerships and kind of getting in class? I think it's getting in classrooms, maybe it's after school program. I'm not sure, but build that out more so the listener can potentially reach out and connect and help you make this a reality. No problem. So it is an after school. My vision is that it is an after school program. Um, a lot of our kids are, are going straight to school and going home. They don't have any outside stimulation right now. And I want to connect kids. I I heard another one of your broadcasters, the young man was saying that he was bringing kids together on a on a game, which is ironic because one of my books is about the game boy. And I know that kids connect on those levels. So when we connect kids, robotics teams, debate teams, you know, those things, that's how I connected with my friends, my like minded friends. So whatever the business is mantra is right now my focus is steam so science technology engineering art and math so i'm looking for people who are in those areas that are striving and they want to share their gifts with the children and show them whether it's an art club whether it's a robotics club whether it is a a science club whatever they whatever you know those things i'm already you know there's a lot of those things already in the school they just need support. They need supplies. They need bodies. They need people who can volunteer one hour a, a month. They need those things. So those are the things that we want to put in place so that the community can come and embrace the schools. And that way we know we build the communities and we build our children and we build our, we even build our adults because whatever the kids is something we learned in school where they had us do mock voting. I don't know if you remember that. I don't know if you did it I, when I, I'm old. So we did mock voting and then we were supposed to go home and talk to our parents about who we wanted to vote for and why I was the stupid kid that did it. But (laughs) and now I'm a political junkie. Right. But but that we teach our kids to do things that we understand. So why don't we teach them how to dream? And so that is what I want to do. I want to be able to have the adults come in and teach the teach the kids, teach them something just as simple as how to put colors together, how to put musical notes together. How do you use art? You know, people think that you don't use art in other, you know, concrete businesses. So do you, you, actually, I have a template where I show them that art is a part of different, you know, you have to be an artist to be an engineer. You have to be able to put things together, puzzles, different things show kids different, different values of going to school. Because we always say, I don't use geometry as when in my job. You may use it because it helps you look at things differently. So those are the type of things that I want to do. I'm saying, so is this in a specific city or neighborhood or? Um, right now I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, but this, this, the way I set the program up is that, that it can go national. I can do that from this seat right here. As long as you give, as long as you give me a, a screen, 
I can do it for you. And a, a screen on the phone. <laughs> I can get in touch with the people that need to get in touch and, and I can set it up. So it, it's not something that's limited. I, I wanted to, once again, you know how I, am, how I am about limits. I wanted to make it unlimited so that I can reach a greater audience. But right now I am starting in Charlotte, North Carolina. Outstanding. And so before I ask the final question, I'm sure the listeners are saying, all right, so how do I get the book? How can people get in contact with you? And how can they find out more about the books? So right now the book is in pre-order. We will have the book out um, April 1st is the day it's coming out. We're going to put it on uh, KDP and have it available through Amazon. But right now you can pre-order the book at www.bubutterfly.com. And that's B as in boy, E as in every, and U as in unique butterfly. So B, U, butterfly. Be every unique butterfly.com. <laughs> got it, got it, got it, got it. And so the final question, Miss Butterfly, <laughs> is what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? I want you to take from this episode that you can be, you can, you can take off the limits now. Take off the take off the screen of what everybody else has told you and start telling yourself things, telling yourself what you want to be. Um, just, you know, just stop living life for everybody else and start living life for yourself. That is my message. Start doing what you want to do. The world is just waiting for you to do it. It's not that they don't accept it. They're waiting for you to give it. Woo. You heard it from her lips to your ears. You've got to go off and do the thing because if you don't do the thing, then you're going to let somebody else down this counter on you who you may not have met yet. Until the next time, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real. <laughs>